Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. We are going to be speaking with Greg Napoli today in studio. He is the national sales manager for Slick Tripods, which is a subsidiary of a bigger corporation. Uh, they are based out of Huntington Beach, California. He is going to be talking to us about a little bit of the research and development that goes into tripods, the benefits of carbon fiber versus aluminum, uh, the different applications and just kind of the testing that goes into making them a successful company. He has a real interesting story about how they stumbled onto the hunting and uh, outdoor industry in the sense that uh, they were created mostly for videographers and photography, and our local archery shop that we are really good friends with, and many of you know, Ross Outdoors, was instrumental in opening their eyes on how important um, these tripods were for Western big game hunting and the necessity for having a stable platform when we are out there looking for our quarry. So we hope you enjoy this episode with Greg Napoli from Slick Tripods. Welcome to another episode of the Christian Hunters of America podcast. This is your host, Chet Gray. As always, we have Mike in studio. How are you, Mikey? We are doing good. Hello, everybody. And on the line today, we have the national sales manager of uh, a subsidiary of a bigger corporation, but we are talking specifically about slick tripods. We have Greg Napoli on the phone today. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. Awesome. Um, we've said off off air that we all run slick tripods and one of our big supporters here is a archery specific outdoor store um but they they sell different um different equipment that people can use for rifle hunting or for just camping and whatnot but they're specifically an outdoor or excuse me an archery store which is ross outdoors and they carry your products and more times than not that's the go-to for all the people that come in and don't have a specific brand in mind. And it's kind of our go-to when people are new to hunting or new to um, Arizona and they start looking into outdoor groups and find us. And they, if they're from the Midwest and don't know sitting on your uh, glassing pad <laughs> or sitting on a rock and, and throwing up a tripod – which we'll get into, um, they don't know that they need a tripod. And Slick is the one that we go to more often than not on what we recommend that for the price point and for the durability, it's there. But before we jump too far ahead, um, if you could introduce yourself and then uh, tell us a little bit about Slick Corporation and how, and how you're involved, please. Sure, you bet. The um, started with the company a little over 10 years ago. Um, prior to that, uh, most of my experience is in the camera business. 
So have been in the camera business since I was really in in my teens, and uh, and now did several years with Nikon cameras, and then uh, moved to Kenko Tokina, which is the global uh, the company that manages many many brands underneath of it, and Slick being one of them. And when I took over, Slick was uh, it was an excellent tripod company, but it really had very little presence in the marketplace uh above the hundred dollar price point they really had made a, a real effort at, at hitting that low 50 60 price point and lower and done quite well but they really had not done a very good job of marketing and selling their carbon fiber which has become very popular and and even our heavier duty aluminum tripods so I saw it as an opportunity. It's an area of the business that I was familiar with and thought, well, what the heck, let's give it a try. And we put some marketing efforts behind it and began to grow it. And at the same time, and really unbeknownst to me, we had a few outdoor uh, retail stores in the archery business, and Ross was actually one of them. And they were kind of quietly selling carbon fiber tripods um, more than even some of our larger uh, photo retailers. And it, we were looking at a report one day, the president and I were looking at the report and going, what, <laughs> who's this Ross Outdoors? Um, and a couple other ones. And so we got on a plane, we started uh, checking out what was happening, what people were using our products for, how it was being used. And that was really my first introduction to the outdoor market as it pertains to tripods and how it was used and why it was used and and why there seems to be a very definitive line in the United States between who uses tripods and who does not use tripods <laughs> for hunting. And uh, that is and no you, joke. You learn it is very serious, and you just you realize, uh, you know, even when we deal with some of the big box stores, you you look at the demographics and go, and they'll show you reports. It's just like. Yeah, these stores sell a ton of tripods, and these stores sell none. <laughs> and it's 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 very interesting. So obviously, it's based on need, and now having a much better understanding and, and picture of how hunters use our products for both rifle and for bow. Uh, yeah, I can understand why why you do and why you don't need it. Right, absolutely. That's hilarious. That Ross is you know become instrumental and i'm sure from a sales aspect you guys are looking at those numbers that's that's where the product is being sold how it's being sold and if it they were either you can tell us the backstory or if you can't understand unbeknownst to you guys that they're selling more than a traditional camera shop that professionals or even amateur uh, photographers would use to you know obviously have stable high quality pictures and here a bow shop, a family-owned bow shop in in Phoenix, Arizona, selling that that amount of tripods and telling everybody to buy this product. Well, I think for a lot of consumers, especially on the photo end, the the need for a lightweight tripod was very limited. Carbon fiber wasn't when you when you go back to maybe even go back to like 2014, that time period, you didn't have a lot of Chinese influx of you know, these garbage carbon fiber tripods that were coming in from China at that time. Mm -hmm. And so carbon fiber was kind of elevated to this, this price point that was unattainable by most photographers. Uh, they weren't afraid, to, they weren't hiking for miles. Most of them weren't hiking for miles and miles um, into the backcountry. So you have 
this very distorted, we have aluminum tripods we, we can't keep in stock. And then at the, you look at our carbon fiber and we couldn't, we, we, we just were having a hard time getting any kind of momentum in the photo business. And when you looked at our numbers and you see someone like a Ross Outdoors, they're selling three, four or five times as much as a B&H photo right. at that time. You kind of go, wow, okay, what, what, what are we missing here? What, what, and then you realize the importance of how carbon fiber plays out when you're hiking into the backcountry for, for a week and how important that weight is to uh, anybody who's doing that. Now, since then, carbon fiber has become a little bit more accessible. Carbon fiber is a little bit more uh, desired by both areas of the business. And so we're seeing an in, you know we're seeing an increase in, in business done at the photo channel, but not anywhere near as much as what we see from the outdoor. Not any it's it's pretty significant difference between the two two channels. Interesting. And going back to other stores, um, when they the need for that because we've all had the need to have stable glass and throwing binoculars or throwing cameras or video camera any anything that we're using for hunting to either document it or to spot our game the need was always there for lightweight and just like when carbon fiber first came out for a number of applications it was at a very high price point that a lot of hunters couldn't afford either and as time like any new technology comes you have competition and obviously that uh, allows it to become more accessible and more economic for for more people but how has the technology differed for the carbon fiber tripods now that there is a specific niche for hunters or has it stayed the same that it it doesn't matter the stabilization the everything that goes into that has it stayed the same whether it's for photography or for for hunting as long as it's strong secure and, and stable yeah, I don't see I don't see manufacturers, including us, doing anything necessarily specifically different for either of the channels. the 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 The, the need is the same. Correct. And and so I think what we're starting to see is, you know, the the material itself, carbon fiber material, is pretty basic. Um, who rolls the tubes um, internationally is really limited to a very few corporations, uh, a couple in the United States, only one of which I think is actually rolling tubes specific for tripods. Uh, one in Europe, which is where we got most of our, our carbon fiber up until recently. And then they just raised their prices to a level that we couldn't, we weren't going to be able to remain competitive. And then China. Um, I think there's two factories in China that roll the tubes. Now, once those tubes are delivered, it's what you do with it. But I think what's really important people need to understand is there's there's different ways to to make a carbon fiber tube, and 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 two of the two of the key elements to it is the number of the fibers themselves. Though that's pretty consistent, there's not a lot of difference between the 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 material itself the thickness of the material as well as the adhesives used to put those layers together. So you, you might go onto a, uh, onto Amazon and look at a tripod. There's a carbon fiber tripod for $99. And then you go to slick and you go, 
well, how can these guys charge, you know, $300? And then you go to, you know, really write stuff. And how can these guys charge $1,500? And, and one, it's the materials, but really more importantly, it's the number of layers and it's the adhesives used to make that carbon fiber tube. And then, then how it's processed that makes a huge difference in the long-term, uh, uh, rigidity and long-term, uh, you know, long-term use. Uh, it's very, if you're using, we use, you'll, if you dig into the specs, which they usually don't share you, but you dig into the specs, a lot of those hundred dollar tripods are four layer carbon fiber where we're always eight. Uh, in some cases, when we go to much larger tubes where weight isn't as important but rigidity is we might go to 10 layers so it really is important that uh you know you're buying it from somebody who's actually making sure the quality control of the tubes themselves are 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 up to snuff yeah um we always have that a lot of people getting into hunting don't realize how expensive of a sport it is and it is, and you got to be committed. That's how, how passionate you are about anything in life, What no matter what your hobby is. But we always kind of have a joke of buy once, cry once. If you spend the money for the good product once, then you're not having to replace it as often or ever. And if you buy a quality tripod that lasts 20 years or more, you're not going to have to buy one every couple years when you drop it, when you, you know, it falls off your tailgate or just normal things in the outdoors. Um, if you spend $99 on one, you're going to get the, you know, you're going to get a $99 tripod. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what you save in weight and what you save in money, you're going to have to replace eventually, um, at a much quicker rate. Yes. And one of the cool one of the cool things though I was just going to add that's what's great about Slick is that for every tripod that we have we have a support here in Huntington Beach, California that we carry all the parts and we carry parts going back, you know, in some cases tripods that we've discontinued going back, you know, a decade or more. So if you ever have a situation where a tripod breaks down, it's usually tiny internal components that keep the legs in place. We call them stoppers. Those can break down over time, depending on how they're exposed or how rough you are with the tripod. But they're very, they're, they're, it's like for a little packet of them, it's, you know, five, $10 and we can ship them to you. And, and literally in a matter of, of minutes, you can have a tripod back up and working without any problem at all. And we rarely see issues with the tubes themselves or the the twist locks or the click locks or any of those things it's very rare that we ever see issues with those but it, you know if there ever is an issue it's usually someone slammed a tripod too hard or they some got weight but they were playing with it in sub-zero degree weather and you know maybe one of those little chips inside broke so it's it's just nice to know that you have that and you're not having to contact somebody either out of the country and or just you'll never find a part for it and and then it's a dead tripod that's yeah. huge yeah i would say that is exactly true so a couple things um one is you talked about the quality and i can tell you firsthand uh, we, we mentor a lot of people and take a lot of people out and i'm, I'm just thinking back of a story just a few years ago a person bought one on uh, amazon and here and what they we have this attachment that basically can hold a rifle on it, so you can uh, it'll stabilize and, and allow you to shoot a little more accurately. And I remember 
it was wiggling and wouldn't say, you know, he was really struggling trying to get that thing to hold up with the weight of a, you know, 12 pound rifle, 10 pound rifle, whatever it was. And I remember he shot and then the bottom leg actually took out and that tripod broke. And it was just, it was just, it was, it was, it was cheap parts, you know, and it was just like one of those things that he was fighting it and, and, you know, trying to get on the animal. And I think part of it was his pressure on it. And then it snapped and kind of looked, I'm like, where'd you get like like Amazon? Like, well, there you go. Well, let's go get you a different tripod and we'll we'll try again. (laughs) It's such a bummer. I mean, part of me is just like, well, uh, I I feel bad for him because you missed a shot, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's like you guys said earlier, it's a lesson learned that you need to, you know, sometimes there are certain things worth spending money on. And, and we run into that a lot, even on the camera end, where people buy the cheap uh, tripods off of Amazon and, and other places. But that seems to be the place where most people end up getting their cheap tripods. And they, they suffer. Their, their, their photography suffers. And in this case, you know, you missed whatever it is you were shooting at. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're talking about replacing parts. And I'm looking down at a tripod that's at least probably a decade old. I'm saying it's probably a decade, and I remember the only thing I've ever had issues with is the little rubber feet on the bottom, and that's yeah. usually because I'm in rocks and you know, you're you're doing it and and I I did use your service and I remember calling and like hey you know what we'll send you a, we'll send you a handful next thing you know like ah hey, don't worry about it next four or five days later it was here was like a, a group of four of them you know like hey we threw yeah. an extra one in their case you lose another one but this but that's a little incidental stuff that's just wear and tear you know you're beating them up and everything else and. And I'm looking at this one. I think it's it's got so many dings and scratch. I, don't, I can't even tell you how many times I broke it, you yeah. know, dropped it, and everything else. But just, right. this thing is just it's absolutely incredible. I mean, for everybody listening, tell tell everybody the that model, Mike. So this one here is the Slick Pro three thirty DX dash B is the one here. Then I actually upgraded yeah. um, with Ross, and that's an aluminum one, correct? Correct. Yep. And then I have a, a newer one that we got with Ross, and I think we have bought probably. I bet you 10 to 12 of these um, because these have like a $200 price point with the head when they have them on their, their special. And, and through our CHA group, there's been a bunch of us, and we just love these. And this is the uh, the Slick Pro 330 SVH. Um, then it also comes with the head, which is the Slick Head, which is the SVH-501. And it is a fantastic combination. And just in the last year, year and a half with this one, we've had great success. And this is what we've been kind of turning all of our new hunters onto. Just because of that that price point, you know, you get the head, you get the tripod for two hundred bucks, and and you get that great warranty with it. So, yeah, well, and and th- that what's great about that, and it's a great setup. I really like that setup. I when we were trying to put that combination together of different legs and heads, uh, we really wanted to make sure that the three thirty was included in that because it's such a great tripod. That has been. The legs themselves technically have been discontinued. You can't buy the legs anymore. That's the actually the only way. I'm pretty sure that's the only way you can get that those legs. We've since upgraded. We call them the AL323 and 324 series. The those are again excellent tripods, but we don't we just there's some there's just something about that 330 leg with that head that just is a great combination, especially for, for the outdoor channel. Absolutely, especially when you're when you're glassing with you know big glasses and and then also when you put the attachment on there that allows you to put a rifle on there, it's just it's definitely a a one two punch. I mean, because you can you can do all your glassing off it, then you find that animal, you pull out the next attachment, put that on there, lay your rifle on there, and it has been fantastic. I'm thinking just this one here in the last year, year and a half, maybe even two years. There's probably been I don't know 
15 animals shot off these things that I'm aware of, and I can't tell you how many animals. We probably last 50 to 100 animals just based with, awesome. this, this, with this combination. You know, throw it in your backpack, and next thing you know, you're it's doing all the work for you. It sure makes uh, our nerves or the hand-holding uh, takes all that out of the equation. And for everybody in the Midwest or outside that doesn't live in western uh, United States or doesn't live in rocky and uneven terrain and is – spot and stalking we've we've talked about it before on previous podcasts the the necessity of being able to have adjustable legs being able to sit down and either put that spotting scope or put uh, your high quality binos on there and just being able to pick apart the landscape from a quarter mile away to a mile or two away and having that then that i guess the insurance policy of being able to keep it on there um having you know it's set up in whatever way is stable because you're on an incline or a decline or wherever you're sitting and knowing that those aren't going to fall over they're not going to break you can throw them collapse the whether it's the twist lock or or whatnot throwing it back in that backpack and being able to get and go with seeing the necessity for those has is there a higher percentage of hunters wanting one versus the other um not aluminum versus carbon fiber but the the leg extensions well i think that it's no it it, our our, by far our most popular tripod is our carbon fiber uh, we call it cf 634 um it's a great combination of 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 height as well as weight so weighs in just barely two pounds and for just the legs itself so and then you throw that head on which is as a pound so you've got three pound little package so for people who are looking for super lightweight that's by far our number one package that we put together in legs that is so the the just only recently so the 330 doesn't count so since the 330 we've kind of changed the way we do our names so if you take for example the we'll just use the carbon fiber. So we, the six is the series. So six is the six series uh, carbon fiber. The, the second number is the generation. So it's third generation. And then the last number is the number of leg extensions. And so in the case of the 634, that would be a four leg extensions. The 633 would be three. The 330 that you have is also three leg extensions. So personally, I prefer three leg extensions. The reason is the you just have less things to fiddle with. And that last leg that touches the ground is always going to be thicker. If you take the exact same tripod design, is always going to be thicker. Uh, so giving you more stability than the four let the four extension version. So, so if we let's say we did a, the three thirty in a four leg extension, that fourth leg would be would be a little bit thinner too because it has to fit inside the two previous to it. Correct. So, and then you also have then a second le- or another set of leg locks. So every time you you create a you know another place for it to you know wiggle or break or you have to clamp down on you just create more 
instability in that process. Now, the upside to having four leg extensions is the 330 with three and the 330 with four, uh, if you had that exact same scope, would extend to the exact same height, but they would fold up much smaller. So the four leg extensions then can fit in a much smaller um, um, design. So that's really, you know, like I said, for me, I personally prefer always going with three leg extensions and because it's just a much more stable platform when, especially when fully ex, uh, extended the, and I, you know, for me, I don't need that extra. I'm not, the, the weight is almost the same. There's the, you're talking barely an ounce to two ounce difference between the two, usually when you compare tripods. So there's just really not a much of a, uh, uh, a gain other than that folded size. That makes sense. Um, I had no idea on the breakdown of the, the series and the generation. I knew the last number meant the, the leg extensions, but I had no idea that a 634 meant six series, third generation, and, and four leg extensions. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. That's kind of cool. Um, what goes into the, the research and development now that we're still staying on carbon fiber and there are only a few companies in the world that do roll them out for you guys to be able to utilize four legs, but what goes into um, the kind of the testing to make sure that they can stand up to the elements and the weight ratings and the how small of a diameter of a tube to negate the weight um, but still be able to stay stable with X amount of pounds on top, whether it be a, a full-fledged camera or or what we use it for with a tripod sure. head and, you know, 15 by 56 uh, glass. You bet. So I won't try and bore everybody too much. The so the I from a from a sales and marketing perspective, I am very frustrated with our corporation in Japan. Uh, the the way and the way they rate a load of our tripods is 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 awesome at one level if everyone adhered to that standard, and is frustrating on the other. So, so what the factory does is when they introduce anything new, whether it be new leg locks or new carbon fiber tubes, they sit down and they they think of, okay, what are the worst case scenarios? Let's put this product through, you know, worst case scenarios. Let's put it at weird angles. Let's put it at every possible way and look for at what point it fails, fails to perform the way we expect to do that. When that number is reached, so it's the load rating is reached. They usually divide that number, depending on if it's a head or legs, they'll divide that number between four or five. So if you look at of a load rating of one of our tripods, that load rating, you know, we see 6.6 pounds, we see, you know, 8.8 .8 pounds. They, you know, they measure everything in kilograms. So they're, they're, they're doing it based on that. So it's four kilograms or eight kilograms or 12 kilograms. And that number that is reached is you, you can usually times by five. And that's when the, the tripod ceased to perform as expected. Okay. Didn't necessarily fail, didn't break. It just doesn't no longer performs as expected. And so then they divide that number to give you the load rating that we get. Now, if you go to most places, the way they they will 
determine a the load rating of a tripod they will take that tripod and set it up fully extended and just start piling weight on the middle of the tripod and they'll just keep piling weight piling weight until the the legs either start to bend and or break so if you see a tripod if you compare one of our tripods to someone else's that specs out similar and then they have a 30 or 40 pound rating that's how they're coming to that number whereas we've said we've kind of put it in situations like you would with one leg fully you know you know spread out behind you and this one spread out in a different direction on a rock because it's more and they'll put it and then they'll start to put weight at all sorts of different points so they'll put weight putting way too much pressure on the front leg or way too much pressure on the, and they'll look for where it starts to fail. And then that's when they will then determine, okay, our failure rate's 40 pounds, divide that by five and we'll give it an eight pound rating. So, so, it's so that's why they do so well then, because it's such a conservative weight rating. Correct. That correct. even with a heavy pair of binoculars, like the high-end Swarovski 15s or a big spotting scope or anything along those lines, um, if it says it can hold 10 and you're on that 11-pound mark, yeah. it really can hold <clears throat> 50 pounds. But Correct. It's um, the conservative weight rating because your standards are high enough that you want it to keep it at that point versus stacking a – 25 pound plate on the top of or, and when you were describing putting it on the middle or was it like the hook you know the, they'll actually they'll 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 put a platform on top of the on the top of the legs okay and they'll just start piling you know whatever weights that they they want to do on top of it to to prove it and it, and that and there, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that except now now take one of those legs and extend it you know, because you're on uneven ground, you know, you know, you know, release the leg. So that's not, a, it's perfect, you know, you know, triangle. And, and then you start to start messing with it there. That's when things start to really break down. And, and again, it's, it's where things break down are going to be more often than not where the leg locks are. That's you, you know, those point of those weak points on a tripod is where things are going to start to fail, where you start to get the little wiggles and wobbles when you start to, you know, start to, if you're painting across the horizon, you know, at, looking out a mile out at, you know, 80X, you know, or 60X, you're, <laughs> those little wiggles and wobbles are magnified, you know, exponentially Absolutely. when you start getting into those high level of magnification. And it's, you know, one, it makes you sick. It's, it, it creates eye fatigue and eventually just makes it, you know, unbearable to, 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 be glassing it's just not fun anymore not that it's particularly fun to begin with but but it's certainly a necessity uh when you're out and hunting in the west absolutely and and self-filming is becoming so much more popular that whether you are there with a buddy or a small group or by yourself um a lot of people aren't going to be carrying a tripod necessarily if you are self-filming but i know we film a lot of people on our hunts and as we've trying to grow our our video content and numerous other companies are doing the same and, and individuals but just anyone wanting to document that and being able to re-watch it because if you are out there in a small group um and you can tell 
till you're blue in the face how cool it was and how how fun it was and the photography and the videography just puts it on another level way more than you know us being sitting around a campfire and talking and youtube and all the other different video sharing platforms that are out there allow people to see through your eyes and if you had you know when you zoom in whether it be on a a video camera or a still shot or you know dslr and you're getting that high quality but if the wind mother nature you can't mess with but if you had poor equipment and you are trying to zoom in or show somebody and using different techniques in order for you to capture that image if it's moving because of the equipment it is it's discouraging and no one's going to use use that or you're not going to put that content out if you had uh, a more stable platform or higher quality equipment then you're going to be able to showcase that a little bit more and and be able to to show people what you saw and even if you aren't filming just being out there and using that type of equipment and like Mike said and we take lots of mentored kids out or wounded vets on our mentored hunts and uh, or or just people new to hunting period and if we have a video camera set up or an, a, an attachment on your phone and that's attached to uh, the spotting scope or your binoculars like a phone scope or any type of phone adapter and if they can't get to where they can find it in their in their binoculars or in their setup and we're able to show it at least on a phone screen that's huge um, that we can point it out to them and then kind of walk them in based on the scenery or the topography and like find that okay you're seeing it from a bigger perspective through our phone attached to this and if you couldn't have a good tripod to hold that equipment and that correlate to a still image for a kid or a a wounded vet or an elderly person um, being able to see that live and then have them lay down prone or however they're shooting and walk them in that they saw it on the camera. I hate to be long-winded on it, but you're seeing it on the the screen of your phone. And if it wasn't still and if it was moving around and then when they lay down and they don't remember where that tree was, that's one thing. But for them not to be able to see it from the get-go is a whole nother thing, I guess. Well, yeah, really long no, way of I'm, saying that. <laughs> no, and it's it's all very true, and it's like like it's like the last thing you want in the world to ruin a trip because these are not this is none of this is is cheap. Nope. It, from just time invested, let alone expense, the last thing you want to ruin a trip and a hunt or going out and shooting photos is a tripod. I mean, it's just like. God, for sp- just spend a hundred dollars more, and you <laughs> just have a much better experience. And so it, it's very frustrating when I see people uh, let a tripod be the weakest link in their in their process because it doesn't need to be. It really doesn't. And you don't need to spend a ton of money to get really good quality products. Uh, there's a lot of great manufacturers out there. The uh, some are you made in the USA and some are, you know, coming out of Japan. And in fact, most of our tripods are are uh, either the, the super high end stuff comes out of of our Japan factory. But most of it comes out of our factory in in Thailand. And we have a great team of people out there that take, you know, making tripods really serious. So it's it's nice to have 
that and not, you know, not have to rely on on China other than for little bits and pieces and parts that we may need. Amen to that. Um, the difference on, well, back up, I guess, a little bit on. Sure. Are those just carbon fiber that you're talking about or that's carbon fiber and aluminum? Um, carbon fiber, when you talk about where they're made. Correct. Yeah, there no, we both of them are made. Most of our tripods, probably 90% of the tripods we make come out of our factory in Thailand. Okay. Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, though. There's some things changing. It's kind of interesting what's happening more recently with the, the way the economy is. Japan's bringing back a lot of, of manufacturing to the island. And for the reason that it's the labor costs in some of the other countries have risen dramatically enough to where Japan can now actually be competitive on a labor level on a lot of products. So you're starting to see a lot of stuff that was had been outsourced to whether it be Thailand or Vietnam or China and that in for that case in some companies that go there and you're seeing more stuff actually come back to Japan. So you may see some of the high-end carbon fiber eventually make it back to Japan, but it's still it, it, there's a, just a lot of variables. One of the, tr- the, the tr- troubles with tripods is the cost of shipping. And uh, we saw uh, during COVID the cost of a, a, you know, two equal containers pre-COVID would cost us about three or 4000 eh, maybe $5,000, worst case scenario, to ship out of Thailand to as much as $30,000 for the same container um, at the peak of dealing wow. with the lockdowns and everything like that. Now the cost of the goods didn't go up. So you're, you're, you're spreading that out. We didn't see really any major price increases. Some people did, some people didn't, some people absorbed it. It's pretty hard. That's a big number to absorb though. Sure. <laughs> so, so prices have come down a little bit, but it's, it's really, it was very fascinating to see that. And then now the cost of shipping, let's say if you guys decide you guys want to order one of our tripods, just shipping it to you is has is just from our office here in Huntington Beach has three times four times itself so so it, so it is kind of one of the nice equalizing factors so we don't have a lot of weird games that are played with tripods in the global market that you see in less less or easier to ship products because you know you just all of your a lot of your profit gets eaten up in just shipping of it or uh, shipping it around so yeah, so, the quality control, if you can keep more in-house, um, yeah. obviously I'm not in the, I'm not in the sales business, but I can only imagine that the quality control of keeping everything more self-contained, if you can keep it at a similar price point without having to, to ship it out in order to have less, you know, expense on the manufacturing, then you have higher quality control, better built products, um, but I can only imagine the supply chain cost on those oh. two and a half, three years of COVID that everything just went off the chart. And if you didn't have a big um, audience or if you didn't have a lot of people buying your product, I'm sure there's tons of stories during that time of <laughs> people going under. It, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a, you listen, the manufacturing business, you saw it, you probably saw it locally it, or just the, the it just, when just being a normal consumer gets, for anything. yeah just yeah yeah when the cash flow gets when when the cash flow disappears on on some of these people that you know they're, they're it's a very fragile 
uh, existence for a lot of businesses. And, and when cash flow is disrupted, it can put people out of business pretty quickly. Absolutely. On the, the weight that we were talking about a little bit, can you shed some light on aluminum versus carbon fiber as far as stability that you guys have seen as, as well as the amount of weight that it can handle, uh, which is, which is better or is it negligible and it's just a price point? Well, I think that this will really the the reason that carbon fiber exists in this industry is to be able to provide the same level of stability at a reduced weight. Now, how does that translate? We use a, a basically a rough number, and it's it's hard to do apples to apples and completely, but right. it's usually about a thirty percent reduction in weight with the same level of stability. So. An aluminum tripod, we'll just use an aluminum tripod weighing three pounds would give you, and then you have a carbon fiber tripod that weighs two pounds. Assuming all things are equal, those two tripods would give you the same level of stability. That's good. Now, there has been tests. There have been a lot of people who've done some uh, tests to just see about dampening and dampening doesn't isn't isn't hypercritical it can matter to to photographers but it's only when they're doing uh there's an exposure range when you're dealing with with photography that where dampening that's when the let's say a leg's been tapped and how long that vibration takes to disappear the and there's only a there's only a small range of of exposure where that's even even matters. Short short exposures don't matter at all, and long exposures, if they're long enough, don't matter at all because it it makes it disappear. So it's only a short range that. So it, it's usually dampening is very rarely talked about in the uh, photo industry. But when it comes to glassing, dampening does matter. If you're if if you're jostling around and you tap your legs or even bump the legs and there it, it takes it can take a little bit longer for aluminum to settle down okay now, there's a lot of variables that go into that but it can take a little bit longer for for that to settle down completely and so someone you know if you're if you're out at max magnification and you're you're viewing it very very long distances you'll notice it whereas if you're you're pulled back you may not notice it as much and so, but it, it, we're talking these micro, micro vibrations that are really felt when you're out at, you know, equivalent, you know, 3,000, 4,000 um, millimeter uh, equivalent to, you know, camera lenses. Oh, that makes sense. I know I notice it more, not as much when I'm sitting down and the legs are shorter, even if it's fully extended and they're spread out obviously it's an easy equation of that's more stable because of lower center of gravity the higher it is and sometimes if we're super cold outside and your hands are in your pockets or you're wearing gloves and you don't want to manipulate it that way if you have the uh, tripod or the head uh, set at you know the correct specs that you like I guess that it, it's spinning and tilting right where you want it we sometimes you know we teach them you can use the bridge of your nose or your face and you're kind of <laughs> inching it over like that and if you do hit it too much uh you're gonna see that dampening in that vibration yeah. 
let it calm down or use your face to brace it. And you, that's the only portion exposed when it's cold out or if you're in a snow. And we don't have that as much here in Arizona, but we do hunt out of state. And a lot of people, I'm sure, use your products outside in the cold um, yep. a lot. On the, well, I think that, you know, I think to that point that you were saying is, is that the way you, way I see, I mean, glassing's done a lot of, especially when you're sitting, mm-hmm. they you the legs are usually touching your legs. I mean, you're creating, trying to create this most, the most stable of, of environments. And when you create those additional human touch points, that can really help a lot with dampening and vibration. And, you know, especially if you're dealing with wind. Um, a lot of just the more touch points you can have on the glass, uh, besides the tripod and including the legs, it just, it can improve that dampening dramatically and make it a little bit easier for you to, to, to see what you're looking at. Absolutely. The, the weight savings alone, are you seeing, um, because they're, the prices come down in carbon fiber, are you guys still, manufacturing as many aluminum products as carbon fiber or outside of the hunting because we don't see it from a photography and videography aspect but i do see people in that industry at sporting events and whatnot using carbon fiber is aluminum kind of dying off and carbon fiber replacing it or is there still a need for both there's a need for both because of of cost okay so an, an example would be if one of our, our best-selling like full-size rugged tripods is a, our 700DX. And we see a lot of shooters using that as a, a way to brace you know, high-caliber guns. You know, they'll throw a saddle on it um, mm-hmm. or some other, other, other type of, of gun rest and shoot all day long with it. And you know, that's $120 retail, the equivalent carbon fiber, which would be really our 933 that gives you the same level of stability and, and performance you're looking at over $400. So it's from a, for, so from a, from a cost manufacturer and availability, that is, that's where we see, you know, it really the only reason to own a carbon fiber, and this is what I tell people: if you're you're spending most of your time two and three hundred yards, you know, from your car, and you're not really going much further than that, then aluminum's just fine. Right. You're never gonna. You're not gonna see. You're not gonna gain the benefit. There are no benefits really of carbon fiber at that point. But if you see yourself where you're going to need, you need what, it doesn't really matter what size carbon fiber it is, whether it's a two pound or a four pound carbon fiber tripod, it really doesn't matter. It, 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 if you need, if you're going to be out all day, away from your car, throwing it in a backpack, having to carry it by hand, those extra pound, two pounds, three pounds add up really, really quickly. And it's, you know, and to give you an, you know, an example, the, the the 700 dx the legs alone are seven almost seven and a half pounds the the 900 series carbon fiber is just over four pounds so that three pound difference adds up a lot over the course of a day or two or three depending on where you where and when you're using it mike and i can attest to that and numerous people that are listening right now can attest to that that 
we say ounces are pounds and and pounds are are <laughs> kilograms out there. It, it all adds up, and you feel fatigued at the end, no matter what. And anything we can do to make that negligible or a little bit less is is huge. Um, people, you know, will cut extra foil off of a an MRE <laughs> just to save those minuscule little ounces on a backcountry hunt. Uh, and when you're climbing a steep a steep mountain or if you're in Alaska and going sheep hunting, I mean, and your, your weight conservation is so important. Everything you have is on your back. Uh, three pounds can mean a lot of either extra gear. If you are, you know, capped at a certain weight or, you know, that extra half mile I can walk because I'm not that much more tired. So yeah, it's huge. Well, I think what's so interesting about hunting especially backcountry hunting is, you know, unlike most people who are backpackers, as they finish things, the, their weight is reduced. And that's true for hunters. And if they're successful until the very end, absolutely, and then they're carrying out more weight than what they went in with. If they did, if they did what they were supposed to do, right. And if there was a successful hunt. And so, yeah, you, you, uh, however many miles you hike in, you know, most people who are backcountry, you know, especially backcountry photographers and people like that, they're coming back with less water, they're coming back with less food, they're coming with a lot less. Not true of hunters. And and so, yeah, those ounces, it, it just matters. It just matters to the point where we have people that, you know, are, are constantly asking us, oh, well, how come, what can they get rid of off of your tripod and not lose performance? And unfortunately, there's only really only one thing. What most people don't realize on our tripods, is that center column uh, is separatable. So you can actually, it actually is two pieces in the center, you know, the, the, anything that's aluminum there so that you can actually create a short, you know, you don't have to buy a short column. It actually mm-hmm. is both a long and a short column all built into one. So if you ever need to reduce weight and that's a place you don't ever use the center column, that's a place you could easily reduce a few ounces and uh, um, and save some of that if you use your center column a lot um, to reach a certain height or you like that extra um, and it does give you depending on the tripod you know a few inches of 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 movement when you were you reduce the size of it but if yeah if you're ever looking for to reduce some weight just uh grab the top portion um, or lock that make sure the top part is locked um, at the uh, collar of the tripod and then just start twisting the lower half of it and it'll separate that's good info. As you were doing that, or as you were explaining that, Mike, Mike was taking his apart, and we're looking <laughs> at it right here. And yep, and I've done that. Yep, it makes a big, makes a big yeah. difference for sure, especially when you're hiking. And one of the things I don't know if, if you guys uh, have this on your website. I was trying to look to see as a benefit is a lot of new guys come on hunting, or people we go out. They might be hunting for years and years, and they're always asking, "Hey, when you go out hunting, you're hiking, and you know what is the most important." tool that you have to have you know what's what's your top three what's your top five and, and it's interesting everybody always talks about hey it's the clothes it's the boots you know it's my gun it's my binoculars it's you know it's all these different things and i always say hey, my number two thing is going to be my number one is going to be my bow or my firearm because you have to have that to shoot number two is the best binoculars that you can afford and number three has to be the tripod because if you don't have a tripod to put the, your binoculars on to find the game, nothing else really matters. It doesn't matter 
what yep. else do you bring? Because if you don't have a high quality tripod that's going to hold that those binoculars to allow you to really spend the time to, to find them, you're not going to have nothing to go hunt anyways. So I always tell people, if there's three things you got to have, you know, and you can spend, put your money where you can go is you know is get the best bow that you can afford, the best glass, and the best tripod. Because really, if you have those three things, everything else just kind of falls together because you're able to harvest the animal and you're able to find the animal. So that's that's what yeah. everybody's looking for. So. <laughs> well, one of the challenges we've had since we've become more popular in, in the outdoor space is how do we communicate to you as hunters on the same way website that we can communicate to uh, the hunters. Sure. And we're, we're still struggling with that. And we know that we know that from the hunter side, you you guys are agnostic it goes both ways unfortunately the photo side has a, has, a, has people that 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 are are sure. just have a different world point of view and uh and sometimes don't like to mix the two so we've actually been we, we actually have it this year we're going to be working on um trying to create a uh we actually have an uh and maybe the, i can't I don't, I don't know if you guys reached out to us through slick outdoors but we're going to try and make a subset so that we can at least speak the language that a hunter would need to know and understand how to use or why one tripod might be better than another and, and communicate that separately from what a photographer may need. Well, I'll, I'll just say it on air. If you need help, CHA is here to help convey, okay. <laughs> <laughs> convey how, we, how much we like that product. Well, we'll, we'll certainly reach out to you guys and, and get some input on, on language because because the people in this office, I mean, I understand the 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 hunting because I've I had to learn it, but I'm not a hunter, and so I don't live it every day. And 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 sometimes there's just I want to make sure that we communicate language wise, uh, so that people understand it, and we can do a better job of communicating how our tripods perform in those situations. So certainly we'll be reaching out and asking for help. Yeah, exactly. And so something just to think about. So you think about the the camera world. Typically, they're on flat ground. They're they have a predetermined set of photos that they're wanting to take. There, there's an agenda to do what they're going to do, and a lot of the the variables are very standard, and they can set up. We're in the hunting world. Let's just say you have a backpack. So today, I'm going to hike up this hill. That's going to have a, we'll call it, um, 500 flights of stairs, and it's going to be over six or seven different hills slash mountains, and my loop's going to be a four mile loop. From where I park my truck, I'm going to go up and I'm going to do like basically like an egg shape and, and come around. So with when it comes to the tripod, so throughout that whole six, eight hours, if, if that's our plan, our, our plan is we have to get to the different glassing points in order to see the animals that we're pursuing. But at the same time, our the tripod has to be accessible because as we're hiking, different things catch us because your view is always changing. So, so when it comes to the tripod, you have to have one as a, a backpack that you can grab your tripod and strap it very easily and then be able to pull it out. So the universal size is going to be as, as you're hiking up, you're actually using your tripod with all your legs extended, and then so you can stand and glass quickly and then move forward. Then you put it back. Then when you get to the predetermined glassing points, you may be on the side of a hill that's going to let you just look for miles and miles. So at that point, you're going to sit down and get comfortable where your tripod has the little buttons that basically kick out so you can move those legs at almost 90 degrees because you're on the side of a hill. So, I mean, you may have two that are three foot long and the other one's going to be a foot, but you're able to angle right. those. So that gives you a completely different 
you know, so, so that tripod is very universal for that s- sitting on that, that location. So then you may move another half a mile. Now your legs have to be three foot out with one that's only a foot and a half because the way you're sitting and you're on the rocks, it's based on that angle. So, so I think when I think about the universal of the slick and why I've always used it is no matter what the situation is, it's it, that tripod is adaptable in order to allow me to put my glasses on there and glass the country that I'm looking for. Then at the same time, if you know, when we're taking rifle hunters out there, like my son's used this tripod ever since he was really little, he's 25 now, and I think he's been using one since he was probably 10, 12 years old. Is you can throw that piece on there, and then the legs move quickly and adjust to his size. So, like when he was little, he was four foot 11, now he's right. you know, five <laughs> foot 10, and that is a huge thing when you're trying to adjust. And so, like, we helped out on a, a youth mentor camp last weekend, and uh, I was actually carrying the tripod, and there was an 11-year-old kid that was we're getting up on Havelina. And sometimes you forget, you know, they're only, you know, four foot tall, so you have to get it down and adjust <laughs> it. And what I found is with, with the weight of the gun and how little he was, he's only like 60 pounds probably soaking wet, this, this young man. But I was able to move the, the tripod legs fully extended, but then drop it down and kind of lock it in between the rocks to where it became very solid, so... So I think part of your marketing is just the universal side of the tripod because as hunters, it's always it's never it's not just the same thing over and over and over as a camera person. You know, normally right. you get your camera, you put them on there, you you're doing the three legs, it's gonna be locked in where hunters yeah. it's, it's no, constantly changing, you know, for the application. No, I think that's great. And I, that's exactly it. We we it's just like I said, it's just been very hard to to communicate that and illustrate that to two completely different audiences. And, and, but we, it's a mission this year to, to, to fix that and, and be able to offer information that is more geared towards the, the hunting community. Absolutely. Sounds like what you need to do is do some kind of like little promo or something and, you know, advertising all the different hunters and say, Hey, you know, send us your different pictures or five minute, you know, little videos of where you're using the tripod and backpacking trips and everybody show the different angles and, you know, and, and pick out like a, you know, have a drawing and give them a free tripod or something. You might get, you know, 10,000 different videos and pictures from all over the country of, of how they use it. And then you have all your marketing and know exactly what they're doing. You know, that's a great idea. That's a really, really good idea. I would, that's a great idea, Mike. It's almost as if we've done something like that. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Do you have anything um, that you are able to talk about that is up and coming from an equipment side that are going to get people uh, excited and well, something think, revolutionary? I wouldn't say revolutionary. I mean, one of the things that's hard with tripods is is doing something that is – it's a tripod. I mean, right. it's, it's, it, it's not, there isn't, I mean, you can use new materials, you can use all of these things and, and all of that is great. But one of the challenges you have is when you do that is your, your cost of, of manufacturing just go up dramatically. I mean, we've looked at other products and said, okay, I just want to upgrade this one. And they said, okay, we can do that. We'll go to, we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll manufacture very similarly but just that process of making some what seem like simple changes can dramatically increase the cost of a, a tripod that exists today by anywhere from 20, 30, and sometimes 50%. And so you, it's kind of like you don't want to mess with <laughs> something that works too much, too well. That makes um, sense. Because, you know, like we, it just is a perfect example is that the earlier when I was talking about that 700 DX legs, 
right now we retail that for $120 a year ago, two years ago, well, a year, year and a half ago, we had to raise the price. Just, it was based on the cost of aluminum. That was the only reason it had been uh, $99 previous that retail. So, but an equivalent, if we were to do a brand new version of that and do like we did with some of the other tripods, the price of the retail price of that would go up to close to $200. So, and I'm still think it's a great tripod for $200 and it's worth it, but we, you lose, you could lose a third or even maybe half of your business because you've, you know, you're outside of a price point that is just very attractive. So you, you just have to be very careful. But that said, we are, um, you know, depending on when this, this podcast hits, we will be introducing a new video head. It is, uh, without sounding, trying to be, technical about it it's a plastic head it's you know a very very well made plastic head but it's a to be one lightweight and two to hit a price point and so this will be a true fluid head unlike the svh 501 heads that you guys use which is a great head that actually uses grease to give you the fluid um uh movements and again, nothing really wrong with that grease. A lot of companies do that, and we've been doing that for decades. But it is a little bit more temperature sensitive. So if you get into really, really cold environments, the grease can kind of freeze up a little bit. It still can move, but it just freezes up. Whereas fluid, you got to get to really, really sub-zero temperatures or have to get into really, really high hundred temperatures before the fluid changes its, um, its resistance. So this will be a uh, $100 uh, head that is true fluid movements that are, we've had a few people test already in the outdoor market and have had very, very positive responses. Of course, everyone wants it to be this perfect tool <laughs> for $99, which is not possible, but sure. it is going to be a great um, head for people. And we'll have both of them side by side available will the svh 501 uh, that you're using will still be available and so will this new head and uh yeah we're excited about that hopefully we we realize that there's after we send it out for testing we went to a few few global markets there was a feature that the engineers thought was a great idea and uh everyone seemed to be able to break that feature. So uh, the, yep. we're going to remove that feature and we're going to go to it and won't, won't doesn't delay production all that much. The, uh, so we'll probably see something early spring nice. and, and, and have that available. So yeah, really excited about that. But really other than that, well, actually I'll ask you guys since we're on this, there's, there's an idea floating around and we've had several conversations and it should really be geared towards the hunting crowd is taking a, let's say you're the tripod that you're using now, but we're going to do it only for carbon fibers. But just imagine like taking a three-section carbon fiber and making it a just a two-section carbon fiber, really geared for sitting. Reduces the weight by probably, I don't want to say thirty. We got it. We're still running the numbers. But it's it's really geared towards instead of it being a max height of let's say 56, you know, or closer to 60 inches, you're gonna then have a, a max height closer to probably 40, um, 
maybe 45, just really geared towards people who are sitting, uh, sitting a lot and, and want to, and want to reduce weight dramatically and don't want to have an extra leg extension to mess around with. I think there's definitely a market for that. I think a lot of the people that are climbing in, um, high alpine situations and high elevation gains, whether that be high country mule deer or uh, desert bighorns, Rocky Mountain bighorns, the sheep hunting community, that not to say that they don't stand in glass and not to say that they can't stand at the bottom and you're looking prior to, to making your stock going up the mountain, but there is a need for being high up in order to see animals uh, versus glassing them gotcha. from the from the base and gotcha. with them uh now having to come all the way back down that and as you as you said earlier we're one of the few that use your products that come out heavier than if you are successful <laughs> than when we went in that if you are sitting for long periods of time and glassing then why not have that availability and guides and outfitters are willing to spend the money for probably multiple setups that if they know that there's someone at said base, like you park your truck, someone's sitting there and you have it legs fully, you know, extended, um, and you're sitting and you're standing. But if you send people out in different directions or us on a mentored hunt and we're, we're helping kids or helping whoever on a hunt, why wouldn't you want, uh, the people going out having, the lowest weight and if you're going out from a, a general area where everybody parked their vehicles and then you know you're giving hand signals or people that do use radios you're using radios but the ones that are going out don't need to be standing one you don't want to be seen um, you don't want right. your scent being carried and the the bigger footprint that you have and the bigger you make yourself the more apt for wind to play a factor. And, uh, if you're sitting down and behind a bush or behind a tree or undercover, then that is going to lead, uh, I think up to a better success without needing to stand up. Um, and then knowing people that do hunt the sheep in that high country, I don't know unless they're at the base of the mountain. And I'm sure Mike has some stories and he's going to chime in, but Unless you're at the base, if I'm going up uh, hills and, and high elevation gain, I've never needed, I'm not saying never, but I've never needed it to have the legs fully extended on those high elevation. Uh, gotcha. That's when you are either kneeling, squatting, or, or sitting, and you're not, you're not standing for the most part because either the terrain's so uneven and uh, it's not going to be stable, or you're moving and running and gunning a lot more uh, trying to get to that next point because you're either hand-holding or if you do have it still mounted to the tripod, you want to set it up quickly, be able to glass it, and then, okay, I can cover 500 more yards and get a little bit closer. Uh, And the necessity for standing is offset by the weight I would think, but Mike, what's your thoughts? Uh, I got a couple ideas for for the slick team, and I think uh, 
Chad is talking from a guy that's uh, 6'3", 6'4", 285 pounds, and us little guys can, you know, that's perfect for us, you know. So I, th- I think, it, but I think that's that's the one that's the one piece is uh, the the size of the individual is is definitely yeah. a, a marking tool. So, so I have an idea with the two leg um, potential change. So one is think about people that use trek poles. So you have guys that can use trek poles that are carbon correct yep so could you make trek poles that basically attach to your tripod and there can also be extensions one foot extensions they can buy as an accessory to get the different heights so basically your tripod are in essence trek poles that you can do quick attachments to your head so basically using the trek poles as you're hiking when you need your your tripod you're basically doing attachment and then it's one and the same so it saves you that weight and then if you want to go, you can start at a 40-inch, like you said, for the trek poles. And if you want to go to a 50, you can buy the extra 10-inch, you know, quick connects, which may give right. you those different heights, and it becomes an option, and it becomes an extra, you know, it gives, it's a universal piece that starts at a base. And if you want to extend it, you can extend it to where there's times that, like we were glassing two weekends ago, we're in the back of our trucks because it's so flat. I'm standing on top of an ice chest, so now I need a, a tripod that not, it's going to go to 70 inches because I'm right. stranded. So it's, it's actually in the, in the base and I'm putting part of it on top of my hood and the other parts in the back of my bed. So you can actually extend them and it becomes universal. So that might be something that may, may be a marketing thing in the future that would, would in my mind, would have a huge thing because trek poles in the hunting community are growing and growing because as we get older, you know, we want that extra stability and sure. everything else and you're hiking. And instead of carrying a tripod, now you got, you know, one set that will do everything. We've we've actually looked at that. There's there are manufacturers that have tried to do that. There's been a couple American companies that have 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 successfully created products that do I think exactly what you're talking about. But I have done. We talked to the engineers, and when they started coming back at me of what it would cost to do it, just rough numbers. I I got scared just because. I know Slick doesn't tend to invest a lot of money in marketing and advertising. Sure. And it's a story that needs to be told. And so I back, backed away, but I think it's a great idea. But have you ever seen, and I forget the name of the company that did it, um, and I, I don't know if they're still around. I haven't. Um, I've never seen it before. So. Okay. I guess I'm a so, slick guy, so I guess I only look at the slick product. No, no, no. I appreciate that <laughs> very, very much. And so and so there, I forgot, I, I, I cannot remember their name. I saw them all the time before, you know, the lockdowns. And then after I have not seen them at any of the shows since. So I don't know if they're still around. I mean, they, they had been making quite a little bit of a buzz and I heard some, you know, you, you, with every product you sure. hear good news, you hear good, good buzz and you hear bad buzz. So I don't know if they're, I got to look them up and see if they're around. I think it's a great idea. I think it's a great solution the only thing that I guess I get concerned about whenever I start is that when you start at you creating like, com, com, especially with a tripod, when you start adding those connection points, you just create points of weakness. And that's my concern, I guess, more than anything. And so I, we would just have, we'd have to do an amazing job of engineering it so that I felt confident that it's going to give you a very similar level of stability um, to, to what a, a traditional 
connected tripod does. Because one of the interesting things is if you go out there right now, you can find a lot of tripod manufacturers, mostly out of China, that will say, oh, the tripod is a monopod too. And that, that leg screws off and then be can become a monopod. And we've done a lot of testing. We've tested other manufacturers. It's a it's a serious it's a serious weakness point when you do that, and um, and it also reduces stability. So a lot of vibration gets transferred through that that connection point uh, that doesn't exist in a traditional tube tripod leg. So, it, it, like I said, there's a lot of. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. As, as simple as simple as a as a tripod, there's there's quite a bit of engineering that goes into it to, so that it, it performs the way people need it to perform, and uh, but yeah, it's no, I think that's a it's a great idea and it's one that we should look at again because I think that it would really it, it could have some real potential if we can do it right. Yep, absolutely. And then the other idea I have, which would be simple, is think about hunters. So hunters, especially in the archery world, we do a lot of seal hunting even in the rifle yep. world, is noise, right? So if something sounds unnatural, it's going to create an alarm. So if you hear a metal tinging noise, an animal can pick that up at 100, 200 yards, know exactly something is not right there, and it's danger. So one of the things that we've done, like on our tripods, we have one of our friends that he actually took heat shrink, like electrical heat shrink, and basically coated all the legs with it to where it gets rid of the metal tinging. Because like it or not, when you have a you know, you have your release on or you have a piece of metal or you have your ring on your finger. Your fingers are always hitting this metal, the aluminum, making that tingling uh -huh. noise. So something that might be something in the future is if there's a way that you can maybe have some of your, your foam coating that would cover the whole tripod in different areas. Is he that doing that? Did he do that just to the... To the upper legs. legs? Up to all the legs. No, the upper ones. He did it in... But did he do it to the interior legs? Um, he did it to all three legs plus the center of it so we took okay it, but took but but do you, okay so but you know when you do an i just want to really because i it's important that i there's a reason i want to ask this i'll tell you in a second did he just do the the upper leg section or did he do the lower leg sections once there when when he extends them out um he did all of it i believe oh, he did I, okay I believe he did uh, did all of it correct okay so uh, the the reason is the reason i ask it is because whenever we go to the factory and we want to do like we've had, we we've done painted jobs and they always avoid doing anything to the interior legs because sure. of tolerance, the tolerances of locking and doing all of those things become an issue for them. And, and so they're very reluctant wrapping that first layer um, with something like that makes a lot of sense. It just, they'll get, they'll, they may be, they may resist those lower legs uh, just for the very reason that just it messes with what they're already doing um, with the leg locks themselves. And so, so that's I, why I asked if he's doing yep, that. Yep, so I yep. think he might've only done um, as we're looking at the legs and Mike's pulling them out. I'm pretty yep. sure he only did that upper outer portion because we yes. wouldn't have been able to, even with a thin, a, a long, thin um, heat shrink, they wouldn't have been able to retract into Correct. their yeah. respective yeah, uh, okay. former leg. Yeah, because you have okay. the grooves, and the grooves have to be exposed for that to go in there. So it was just the top. Okay, just cool. The top that that makes that makes sense. Okay, then, yeah, actually, we did that on a, a series of tripods that we d eventually discontinued the, in order to, you know, add some color 
without having to just scream. They did actually uh, kind of a, a shrink wrap around it. So they have the they have the technology in house to be already be able to do that. Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, Cause those cool. last long, you guys are going to have to come up. You're going to have to help me come up with a really cool name to call it. <laughs> we will, we'll brainstorm that if you need it. We'll, we'll ask all of our, all of our followers and listeners. That would be great. That would be, that's a great idea. That's yeah. a, that's a, that's something that doesn't, it, it adds very little expense. Um, and has great benefit. So we definitely, especially to our aluminum tripods would make a huge difference. Um, carbon, you're not going to, you're not gonna. Yeah. It would. I don't sure. know that there'd be much of a benefit that, to the carbon, but certainly, so. but certainly to the aluminum ones that we sell, that's a great idea. Yeah, and that just gets catered to the hunters, and the theme is just saying, "Hey, we're helping to reduce noise and metal. You know, to be unnatural because that's huge. Because, like it or not, just you're trying to be as quiet as you can. You do everything right, and all of a sudden you pull it out, and something tings. You know, you hit it with your yeah, your radar. No, a, you know, it's just, and an animal's hearing is so much better, and that they are automatically alert, and they know. Something's right there, and there's something, you know, it's, it's not. That's normal. a great idea. That's well, a great idea. Looking at Mike's right now, um, the foam does a great job on that. Just from an Arizona standpoint or anyone that's outdoors a lot, the sun obviously deteriorates the foam over time, depending on how all, how often you're out in the field, and has more prone to kind of ripping, even though it cushions it. And on cold mornings or cold evenings, it's nice um, carrying it from that. But him coming up with that heat shrink idea and finding a large diameter heat shrink that was able to go over uh, the, that top tube, it helped it quite a bit um, in the sense that it, those are going to last because they're more heat resistant and it still reduced the, the sound quite a bit. And it was just from a, a DIY perspective is why he did that. It was an older, older aluminum tripod that we were actually making fun of him for being so loud when we're hiking to an area. So he took it upon himself to do that. Um, and we give him, we give him, you know, a whole bunch of grief because of his, we always say, you know, can he, can he rebuild it? Can he weld it? Well, he can't weld a, a tripod because he's always fixing things for everybody, and we, <laughs> we love him for that. And uh, Howard, if you're listening, yes, we are talking about you, and we always give him so much <laughs> grief because he he would rather fix it than buy a new thing, and, and the, that is a, a dying uh, art form and a dying – everybody just, like, would rather toss it. He has shown us on numerous occasions that he could fix a lot of these things and I don't know where he found that big of heat shrink because normally it's for way smaller gauge, but he found bigger uh, diameter heat shrink and put it on those upper tubes to reduce the, the sounds out there. And you got whatever you have in your backpack or a rifle or the bow in, in addition to your ring and um, right. whatnot, anything that, that is hitting that. And that that's the most portion, or that's the biggest portion that's exposed when you have it in your backpack. It's that top portion or the or the head that is you know being exposed, and uh, the lower leg extensions are normally you know tucked away in the backpack or or somehow secured. So that was the the biggest thing, and and it significantly reduced the amount of noise that he was creating when he was going uh, 
trekking with us out in the out in the wilderness and he said you know i didn't have to buy a new tripod look at i saved a whole bunch of money and i was able to to reduce it he wasn't worried about the the weight savings of carbon fiber because uh it was negligible but right yep no it's that's genius it's a genius idea and it's really smart and and you know most people you know i the only reason i would consider doing it previous to this conversation would for be cosmetic reasons you could do some kind of interesting things with the shrink wrap if you wanted to but from a from a practical standpoint it's a it's actually really really smart and it's one that i'll certainly be talking to our engineers about and see if we can um kind of gear a tripod specifically for in the, you know find an aluminum tripod and create a series specifically with that that's a great it's just a really smart and and great idea Yep, I think okay, fantastic. Well, let me know that's out because I'll definitely buy one. Then my last okay. idea for you. I can see Mike's talking. Mike's wheels are turning. He's, <laughs> he's got a I'm he's got a third idea already. Yeah, my third idea. So so I got my fifteen Swarovskis out. That so basically we have the attachment that goes to the head, correct? Yes. So it's got the little bitty spinner, then it's got the little bitty slots. You can carry a big old screwdriver to tighten it up, correct? Right. So something that that all of us does, everybody I know that's in the hunting world, we all struggle because. As you're carrying it in your backpack, you're using it, you're taking it out, you're setting up the wind, that always becomes loose out in the middle of nowhere constantly. So if there's a way to have some kind of tool that we could be, could be a lightweight tool that becomes an accessory. So like we can an Allen key or an Allen like wrench? like an Allen key or Allen wrench that's made for your, your locking to where we can always lock that. Because there's nothing worse. Right. You have this great tripod, you got your binoculars, and all of a sudden that little screw becomes loose because it's just you're you're using it you know it's just unfortunately you know and i want to be really clear you're talking about the 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 screw on the quick release plate that that goes into that head okay exactly exactly so so it says so it's on the bottom of it so if there's a way that there we can have some kind of tool that would lock in there that you could do out in the field because the reality is we're out hiking we're trying to save weight you're hiking all day long, you're in vibration, you're taking the tripod out, this screw just naturally loosens up over time. It's just because of the nature of using it. And so what happens is there's times that this becomes loose and then you're you're struggling to keep your binoculars, you know, the tripod's creating all the stability, but that connection right. point is allowing the binoculars to vibrate in a little bit of wind and, you, and it gets yeah. really loose. So I always have to carry an extra screwdriver, a little flat, stubby screwdriver in order so I can tighten it out there. Tighten it down. So here's, there's, there isn't an easy solution to what you want and with the head that you have. So there's, I mean, there's certainly there a way to lock it down. It, it's not designed to, in order for it to get away, at least the way it currently is set up with the head that you have, it, we would have to redesign something that they're just not going to do. But one of the things on the drawing board, and this isn't original, there are other people that have done this, is to create a Arca Swiss compatible quick release system that's one single unit. So you have so it's integrated one one piece of one machine, big machine aluminum please. okay in, in aluminum and so and then it would have a quick release system um so you you put the one piece into the the binocular um 
point and then the other into the uh and this would be for binoculars yep now if now the uh, spotting scope's a little different so you would then at the same time have an arca swiss plate for that with a registration point so that it doesn't rotate those tend to be a little bit um better at not coming apart yep. because it's because it's but it still can happen uh, there, we're looking at some other ways to, to prevent that as well. Uh, the, the the challenge we're running into again because we're not we're, we're known in the outdoor space, but we're not we, we don't tell the story as well as we should. Is we're get, I'm getting a little bit of pushback from the factory about the uh, binocular, especially the binocular concept, because the costs we're we're we're, we're pricing ourselves into a range that. Um, it's getting a little, it's getting, it's get almost too expensive for, from what the, the brand perception of value is. Um, you know, if you're, if you're outdoorsman, if you're, you know, yep. really right stuff, you know, and you say, Hey, you need to buy this $300 quick release plate binoculars, you know, whatever people go, Oh yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm on board. Yep. <laughs> and, and, but, yep. but you do that with us and, and then they, and, and then people go, huh? Yep. <laughs> the, the tripod doesn't even cost that much so it's true so it's, exactly it's, it's, true. it's a it's a it's a bit of a challenge when you especially start getting into machined aluminum for us um it's trying to 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 change that uh brand perception of uh, of cost of value so you know sometimes you, when you create a really good product at a at a fair very fair price that's what you're known for and it's hard sometimes to break out of that yeah. so we're looking at it and i think but i th understand what you're asking the, the i don't i'm just trying to think it, it the the quick release plate that you have i'm pretty sure i know which head you have oh are you using the um the, you're using the svh 501 correct yes but this yeah the one i got here is the 6502 the attachment okay Oh, you're right. You have the the quick release plate. Then that has the cork. Yeah, it's got top, the, it's got the yep, yeah, it's got the little screw and, and thing like that. Yeah, just because um, it doesn't matter what it's it doesn't matter what head because we used to have the other ones more of a square one before I changed these heads with the other one. So uh, we've always well, you, had you've got my email. You got you've got my email. I'm uh, just email me and just remind me, and I'll I'll send you a different quick release plate that's ARCA compatible, so it'll work the same as the one you have, and but it. It may, it, I have a, I don't think it'll, I don't think it'll rotate off the same way. The cork is great in a lot of ways, but the, because it's, it's compression, it's really the compression is, it, it, it just is, it's sometimes easier to, for it to loosen up with the cork. So it doesn't slip, but it, it tends to sometimes, especially if you have temperature changes, um, it can, it can do that a little bit more so than this other quick release i'll send it to you and see if it, it if it performs better okay no that sounds good but i just know that's been a universal for a lot of tripods yeah. heads so but but you yeah. made a great point like i'm looking at my outdoors my head that's attached and that's a hundred dollar little bitty four inch attachment that goes onto your tripod you know it's it's true yeah. our, our mindsets are completely different we can spend you know a hundred dollars on a little four inch piece of aluminum but we can't spend you know a hundred dollars you know we you know it's it's true it's all perception it, it really yep. is it really is <laughs> very much i'll be real brief i'll piggyback off of that if if there wasn't a, a universal all-in-one arca swiss with the 
bino adapter all built in one as one big machine plate and only where the bino attaches to the post maybe instead of a standard screwdriver and i'm sure other maybe you guys make this already if it was an allen wrench and if there was a a portion on the plate that it was a small allen wrench where right where you could just keep it stored exactly yeah no i <laughs> these are probably things you guys have all done no, already. No, no, no. Those are all. Those are all. The it's it's. I, I agree with you a hundred percent. It it's it's those. It's kind of funny. I mean, it depends on the engineers you have, and it's also engineering resources that each of the companies have and the culture. The 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 culture at Slick is 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 never that refined or, or sophisticated. And I've seen some other things that other manufacturers do and they just go, that's, it's genius. And I agree. There's no real reason that it's, it's not that complicated, but when they're, when they sit down and, and design certain things, it, they sometimes miss that. And so I think that's a great idea. And I, and it will be definitely, it's, I'm making notes is one of the things that um, we need to figure out a way to, to make it a little bit easier to carry some of those tools within our tripods when you need it. Yep. That makes it. Yeah. I completely agree with it. And Chet kind of made a, a great thing with that Allen key. All of our binoculars basically have the same size Allen key that screws in the top. So it almost could be a universal Allen key that matches all the binoculars. Cause they're all the same size that threads in with the bottom side. Then it becomes a, a one in the same. Cause right. so if it ever loosens on the top of the binoculars, you have the same, Allen key for the bottom. Just you know, throwing out ideas. Don't, no, yeah. You never ask when us you about send me ideas. that email. When you send me <laughs> that email, send me the just the, if you can tell me what the Allen key the wrench size is. We if will you can figure it out. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, before we end, uh, can you leave us with any parting words or anything that you'd like to discuss that we failed to ask? I don't think so. I just just want you know the people who are listening. Tripods are not complicated and don't overcomplicate them. And there are a lot of, of, uh, of great manufacturers out there, but always make sure that you're buying something that is of good quality, good reputation, and can be serviced here in the United States. If you're buying into something like this, trust me, the last thing you want is to, you know, three days before a hunt, you know, drop your tripod, it all falls apart, and then you're having to make a decision last minute. Uh, to buy a uh, uh, you know a, a, an inexpensive tripod online instead of just giving a call to 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 us in Huntington Beach and saying hey I'm on a hunt this is my hotel please send the parts to me at this hotel and we will do that for you uh, we will take care of you as best we possibly can with the 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 one guy in our office that handles all of those customer supports his name is Glenn he's awesome and he will take care of you. Uh, as long as he's sitting in that desk, he will take care <laughs> of you no matter what. So, you know, and I think that that's really the more important than anything. The, and the company you buy a tripod from with is, is can they take care of you when you need it most? And yeah, you do still want to be left out in the middle of nowhere with no ability to, to fix your tripod. Well, that customer service is huge. And, uh, that's a reason why we're a believer as well. We really appreciate that. And, as always, we we close our uh, episode out in prayer, Mikey. 
Yep, sounds good. The last thing I was going to say is I think that's why it started with Ross Outdoors because anybody that knows Ross Outdoors, they pride themselves on high-quality products. Um, they vet all of their products, and they only allow um, you know items such as the slick to be in their store that, that they can stand behind, and I think that's kind of resembles of, of their customer service and that. So I, so I, I do uh, appreciate you, um, you know, starting with them and using them kind of as, as that reference because I remember Ross back, 20 years ago when they were in the basically the rental business and they were renting out these types of tripods and binoculars and that's kind of how they got their foot you know going in the, in the business so it's kind of cool to see so with that we'll uh, end in prayer and lord we just uh, we love you lord and we're so thankful lord that we have this opportunity lord to do a podcast in the united states lord i just ask that you bless our country bless our military bless our law enforcement lord and also ask that you bless all of our businesses as we're coming out of the pandemic lord i just ask that you give them wisdom lord to make good decisions lord because Without them, our economy and our, our world as we know it does not exist. And I ask that you would just uh, bless the slick, the slick company, Lord, and their members and, and their employees. And we just thank you for all you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.